Hello folks and welcome to the second episode of Seismic Soccer. Seismic Soccer uh, falls under the umbrella of the Seismic Cinema podcast and you can follow us on Seismic Cinema on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads and TikTok. So today we've got a full house, or tonight rather, because we're recording at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. And I'm going to introduce Sandro Tanali, aka Colin, who has got a bit of a sore throat today and has lost his voice, which is not a bad thing. Hi, Colin. Why do I get bullied everywhere I go? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Sandro, what was your money on the night for the, Euro- the Europa? No comment. One, one nil score, right? <laughs> that was a lost bit. And um, second guest is Kerry McLean, aka Paul. How you doing, Paul? Yeah, good to be back for seismic soccer number two. Good to be <laughs> back talking football, buzzing for it. Fantastic. And making his podcast debut, we have Del Piero, aka Gary. How you doing, Gary? How you doing? Glad to, glad to make my debut. Thanks for having me on. No kiss, no kiss in the badge already. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't be nervous, man, because um, I think the first podcast I've done, I was just kind of rambling on, rambling on, so you couldn't get any worse than that. Um, but welcome to Seismic Soccer, mate. No, cheers, mate. I'm sure you will keep me right. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Colin will keep me right, but he's, uh, he's lost his voice conveniently, so I'm going to try and do this on my pod. I'll put in the chat. <laughs> So, Seismic Soccer, um, I already mentioned the housekeeping regarding the socials. We can also, make sure you subscribe to us and follow us on YouTube and Spotify. We are sitting at 100, we are sitting at 112 subscribers, someone obviously. Um, we lost one this week. Yeah. What did you say, Colin? <laughs> Somebody obviously hated Starship Troopers. <laughs> uh, Starship Troopers um, is the latest, actually, podcast that we did. Um, that was part of our Out of This World October. So Starship Troopers, the last one we done. The very first one was Total Recall, which myself and Colin did. And then the second one was Ahsoka Season Review, which was myself, Colin and Paul. Um, something strange happened on the old YouTube, didn't it though? We had su- such a good number of views for Ahsoka and it came crashing down. So I don't know what happened to that, but if MDLs, if, if that's happened to anyone else out there, if the number of views has went down dramatically for some strange reason, then please let us know because we are quite disappointed and quite sad by it. I think YouTube found out that I clicked on it about 400 times, that's why. <laughs> Possibly. Just scratched off. Yeah. And you can also check us out on the website, which I'm going to try and do at some point, Colin. Um, I need the details though. Good, I paid a tenner for the the domain, domain name. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get one in that, mate. <laughs> and if you want to help support the channel, let us, let us grow, you can also buy me a coffee forward slash seismic cinema. Okay. So this episode of Seismic Soccer, we are going to focus on four topics. We have got Scotland making the Euros once again. We have also got... Manchester United, a wee discussion on that. Will they ever be great again? Hmm. Is VAR <laughs> good, bad, or ugly? What's their opinions on them? 
on VAR rather, and Rangers appoint Philippe Clement as their new manager. Okay, guys, so before we actually kind of devil into those topics, I've got a wee kind of challenge for you. Okay, now we're all football fans, and I was trying to rattle my brain about, you know, a kind of challenge, something similar to what Colin did in the first episode, but stealing away from that a wee bit, I'm thinking about the worst challenges you have ever seen in a game of football. Now, I realise I'm putting you on the spot here. I've, I've, I used to watch videos all the time. So I was at uni and I would do my lab, computing lab was just to watch pro wrestling videos and videos of people getting snapped. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm putting the challenge out to you just now, guys. Is there any memorable challenge that, you know, that was a, that was a sore one? And I've got mine and I'm going to screen share so the people who have got who are watching on YouTube or on Spotify will get the benefit of my my tackle when I put it on. But um, I've got you, Paul, just now. Um, is there any memorable tackle like a good challenge? I don't mean good challenge of winning the ball. <laughs> I'm talking about a, a challenge that's that snaps someone in half. Does it have to be a foul? No, no. <laughs> can, it a, can it just be a crunching tackle that you really liked? Yeah, I don't mind that. Aye. We'll go with Paul first. Uh, I'm just going to go the obvious one because I can't think of anything else. Um, Nigel De Jong. When, uh, he, when he gave... Who was it? He gave like, somebody a boot to the chest. Or was it, was it, to the chest? Uh, was, was it in Spain? No. It's one of the big teams anyway. I can't remember. I just remember, I just remember Nigel De Jong. Was it, not, was it not the World Cup final? I don't know. Javi Alonso. Yes, that sounds right. Xavi Alonso. Ah. Aye. Aye. I've just got <laughs> visions of Nigel, Nigel De Jong, knees up, flying through the air and taking Xavi Alonso out. So that's the worst, worst one I've seen on TV. Um, if I can go personal, like I've seen somebody in Glasgow once just turn around and like karate kid somebody right in the face. Uh, that's probably the worst challenge I've seen, but... Uh, <laughs> Professionally, it was Nigel De Jong. That's a normal day in Glasgow, mate. Folk it was. <laughs> you know what the worst thing was? You only got a yellow for it. <laughs> <laughs> was that referee, yellow? Referee seen it, got a yellow for it. Oh, it was, this was like four reds. Like, I think the boy clipped him from the back and he just turned around and, like, just put him right in the face, like, like roundhouse, right to the face. Oh, man. And uh, I was like, all right, yellow, because I think the referee was too scared in case some fight started. Well, see, when you started <clears throat> started telling this story, I missed the part that it was a football game. I thought you were just out in Glasgow in, like, the town centre. <laughs> I thought it was real. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he only, no, he only got a yellow card. It was definitely a football game. It was when I was playing for <laughs> Arsenal Boys Club in Glasgow. He didn't actually mention it was a football game, did he? <laughs> well, that's why I said it's a normal day in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> So that's like, then you realize some guy you love car for it. All right, was that a football game? Yeah. Right, I thought it was, <laughs> thought it was you know, Shettleston or something like that where I'm from. Do you know what I mean? That's what happens on a day to day basis. Um, Del Piero, Gary, about yourself, what is your most well, memorable the, tackle? The, the obvious one is the Roy Keane on Haaland one right. that he, he later spoke about in his, uh, was it his autobiography or in an interview or something where he, I think Haaland had said to him, um, in a game a few years previously that he was faking an injury and then he, he sort of had his card marked. 
after that and uh, just about broke the guy's leg into. So, um, so yeah, that's probably the one that's brought to mind when you said it, just because um, just how bad a tackle it was, but also the intent behind it as well. There was no, uh, there was no mistake about it that he was trying to injure him. Um, so yeah, that was uh, probably an all-time classic uh, leg breaker. I. He was left in no uncertain terms that he was going to hurt him. Yeah. Uh, that was why the wins have actually got in the, the back burner, in case anyone didn't mention it, as a kind of wee kind of nod to it. Um, Colin, yourself. See these newbies, Gary just stole mine. <laughs> it wasn't, it maybe wasn't really a foul, but I can't remember if it was, I think it was Robbie Keane when he's playing for Celtic. And he played at Ibrox, and Alan Hutton just, he didn't foul him, but he absolutely just smashed him, and I think Robbie Keane didn't fancy it thereafter. Was it no Kevin Thompson? Was it Kevin Thompson? It might have been, actually. Yeah, I think I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and the other one, although I don't think he actually meant it, was a Kamar Roos one on the goalkeeper, like it was the last season. Like Red Kelly for that? Aye. He didn't really mean it, I don't think, but it, it was quite bad. There was also that one back from the, whatever decade it was, the was it the German goalkeeper? Oh, Schumacher. Aye. You ever seen that one? I've seen that one, aye. Yeah. Aye. Um, my one was from, um, it's Claudia Kinija. And it's, it's a game in the like a, a World Cup or something like that. And I've got the YouTube clip here. I want to play it for you. So the, the folk who are watching it on YouTube and... Um, Spotify will get the benefit of this, but they basically the <laughs> Cameroon players were just snapping them every opportunity they get. And I just remember this because this is the one of the ones I was like, oof, that's really going for him here. And then the, the tackle they got him at the end, the guy's shoe came off and things like that. So I'm going to share my screen with you here. Um, let's hope this works. This is a bold strategy. I hope it pays off for him. <laughs> God. Check us out, yeah. buddy. Check us out. There we go, right? So. Cameroon had a very simple tactic for progression to the quarterfinals in 1990. Stop Claudio Canidia. And it's a tactic they employed with total dedication. This is it, young man. He's pretty good, buddy. <laughs> uh, so the guy lost his um, true. I think he got red carded for that as well. So that was why the ones. It's not the the, the the most dirtiest tackle, certainly, but it was one of the ones that um, I thought they were just trying to snap him all game. I just and, like to look at innocence at the end, where he's just like, "What? Ah, I just I it by a wee bit." I mean, <laughs> just a. Uh, uh, a tackle to the chest, it's fine. <laughs> uh, still breathing. The other one I want to give a, a mention to as well is um, Graham Sinus on the Hibs player. Um, I'm not going to, don't worry, I'm not going to bore you to tears on that one, but he, he basically um, snapped the boy in half and it should have been a red card and get a yellow card for it. So I don't know. Game? I think it might have been his first game. Yeah. Uh, um, but if you don't know it, then check it out, man. It's an absolute belter of a tackle. Actually, he goes, actually, can I go, oof, I went, I went at it because that's it's a stone wall red curl even back then, but he only got booked for it. 
Uh, and even the commentator goes, that's a booking. I don't know. That's a, I think you'll find that's a red card. Um, anyway, so that was the week in a we side challenge. Um, so thanks for your answers, guys. Um, if anybody else sit there who wants to comment on their favourite, favourites, what's that the right word? Memorable <laughs> challenge. Um, tackle, snap, get people getting snapped in. Please let us know on YouTube, Twitter and any other socials. Okay, oh, did you see that one recently with Marcel? Uh, was it Marcel? He used to play for Real Madrid. Uh, he tried to do the spin and he broke the guy's like leg almost in half. Oh, that was nasty. Oh. Uh, just remember thinking about it. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, our next one could be best leg breaks. Uh, this is going down a dark path, man. Starsha Trooper's name? No, it's not Sandra Tanali today. Um, right, so let's let's go into the the main chunk of the episode then. So, first topic is Scotland making the Euros once again. And I think it was only right for the you guys to give me your thoughts and opinions and comments on Scotland making the Euros. So, Kevin McLean, Mr. Scotland, who tracks out the top one, you want to take it away from here? We're off to Germany. Well, not me personally, because I can't afford it, but somebody's off to Germany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> aye, Scotland qualified for back-to-back Euros, didn't he? Do it through the back door like we did the last time round. We actually done it on our own merit um, with two games to spare, which is absolutely unheard of for a Scotland team. Usually by this point, we are chasing miracles or we need some outlandish permutations to go through. So it's quite refreshing to be home and dry with two games to spare. The only thing holding us back from winning the group is... An Aaron Hickey slip against Spain in the last game, which was a bit gutting. Is that the only thing? Well, we'll get to that later on. Mm-hmm. That kind of sprays, in, sprays into the other topics. But uh, aye, we started off the campaign absolutely fantastic. Uh, five wins out of five. Um, the first, it could have started off pretty pretty cagey. So it started off 3-0 against Cyprus, looks bog standard, but it was actually 1-0 for ages until Big McSauce came on and scored two um, to make it a bit more comfortable. And then next, <laughs> next game was 2-0 versus Spain. Big McSauce coming up with the goods again, two goals. Um, I think before the campaign started off, he was he'd only scored one goal. And after the Spain game, I think He'd scored four goals in like 90 plus minutes because he only came on at the end of the Cyprus game. Uh, and then I think it was in Norway, the Norway game, which we were pretty bog standard for 80 minutes. And then we scored two goals in a minute and a half. Kenny McLean, the hero, coming up with the goods. Even Big Ellen Haaland couldn't stop the party. Uh, and then it was that kind of a big storm, the storm game against Georgia when Georgia didn't want to come out after we came, we went one up after five minutes and the game shouldn't even started. I think that's when you know your luck's in for this campaign. Uh, and then we got a, a second goal, second half, and then the last game was Cyprus three 0 Totally professional performance. 
they think scored three goals within like half an hour or something. And then the second half was the most boring game in the world. But you know, I didn't mind it because Cyprus is always still like kind of one of these bogey teams. Like we always seem to do well against the big teams and then absolutely fluff it up against the the wee teams. So it was good to just see us control the game. Uh so that was the kind of journey so far. We still got Georgia away and Norway at home. Just to see, like, you guys, do you follow Scotland that much? Because um, I know two of you are Rangers fans and one's a Celtic fan. And I've got a few Rangers fans that actually support England more than Scotland, which is weird. So I just want to see what side of the fence you lie on. I, I, I always watch the Scotland games if I can. Yeah. So don't go, I've not been hammed in a while, but um, for a game. But yeah, no, I'm. My national team, Scotland, so I would never, uh, nothing different. So, yeah, no, I think it's been brilliant the way we've played so far. I think, yeah, it's a Scotland team that's reliable for once. Um, like you said, that Cyprus game is one that we probably would have slipped up in or a game like that in the past. And, um, yeah, no, it's been brilliant, so I'm, I'm delighted. I know. What about you, Colin? I know when we are younger, you used to watch all the Scotland games that together. I have fallen out of it a wee bit, but it's not that I don't support them. Like, <clears throat> I absolutely love the, the Euros. Um, well, the Czech Republic game was a bit of a damp squib. We watched that in the school and it was a bit of an anticlimax, but I absolutely love the, <clears throat> the Scotland-England game. And I've got a lot of great memories over the years. I think with this campaign, I think it's maybe I've just not watched enough of them. Just with being busy with different things. So I feel like I'm maybe just lacking that wee bit of connection to this squad that maybe you have. But when the kind of Euros roll around, I think I will get in the spirit of it. It's like it's not like I don't want to watch them. I just sometimes don't manage to watch them and maybe just fall out of it a wee bit like that. But yeah, I don't I don't support England. I do support Scotland. I just yeah, I don't know. I just feel, I don't feel like I've got a big connection to the squad, maybe to like the ones of the past. Like I've got great memories like Mc, James McFadden and Darren Fletcher, that kind of era. Um, yeah. So I maybe just need to refine that connection again. Yeah. And it just happens every game I watch is rubbish. Like I watched the Spain game and the France game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I miss. I think I missed the first Spain game. So I think a lot of the time I just watch the wrong games. Yeah. See, I've been quite lucky because, um, like I've actually not been to a game. I'm, I'm just. An armchair fan, really. But I've never, I think the only time I was really going to go to a game, I think my girlfriend was going to get me tickets for the Denmark game at Handen. And it was the end of the campaign. I was like, ah, we won't turn up, but we'll get pumped. And it was like one of our best results. And I was, <laughs> I was pretty gutted, but it was my own fault because I was like, nah, it's fine. I don't want, I don't want that. Um, but yeah, I go up to either my dad's or my brother's and we'll sit there together and watch it. We'll put our Scotland tops on that and we. We watch the game, so it's quite a, a family thing for us. So that's why I quite enjoy it. Um, yeah. Over you, Jamesy boy. Do you, do you follow Scotland that much? Uh, nah, I don't really follow any international football. Um, I just don't have time for it. Like it's just for me. I like to sit here and say that I, I would watch them. I watched the Euros purely because, like Colin, we watched it in class. The whole of the curriculum, you know, went to standstill, and we watched Scotland um, get a beat, and then back again. I just set a tone, but even before that, I went to Scotland game with my dad once, in Celtic Park. It was, um, 
Kevin Gallagher scored a goal. I don't even, I can't even remember who it was against now. But my dad was a pure passionate Scotland fan. Um, but for me, I just kind of get into it. I don't have the same. I don't know what it is. Enthusiasm. Ah, enthusiasm. That's what it is. Um, for me, my team Rangers. Do you know what I mean? And it's I just kind of get excited about the Scotland national team. Uh, I was going to kid on you that I support all the home nations, including England, but no, I don't even <laughs> then. Um, but I like you, like you, Bob, get a few um, Rangers fans, mates, or fans, mates or Rangers fans rather, who I've got the whole, you know, the, the full England kit and all that sort of stuff, do you know what I mean? Which yeah. <laughs> they're the scary friends, it's their prerogative, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Oh, I call them friends. I call them um, associates. Associate. Well, I. Who I went to who are no longer in my friend circle now. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, see, see, I think my only excuse is that because I'm a Morton fan, like it's just fucking dire week in week out. So <laughs> this is my only escape to some sort of uh, glory. And yeah. over the past twenty years, it's been that's been pretty non-existent as well. So mm. this campaign has just been <laughs> a bit of a. A nice change. This for me as well. This doesn't. Just, this is not my opinion, but I know there's opinion of, of Rangers fans out there that don't like Scotland purely because of the fans. So, for example, as um, there's people out there who, and I'm not speaking about myself here, by the way, right? Before anyone jumps on me or anybody's watching this jumps on me, right? Um, so Rangers got to Europa League final, and they, no one wanted Rangers to win that other than Rangers fans. And it was like fans who from other clubs to Scotland um, were like, well, Celtic fans, I get, I get that, right? Because I don't want Celtic to win a European trophy either, right? But it's just the other, it's the other fans. It's like, oh, like yourself, Paul, it's like Scotland is like the way it's European football, do you know what I mean? And they don't want to see Rangers do well. And they don't want Celtic to do well either, do you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know if it's just pure... Their hatred for the club, I don't know what it is, but they just can't see us, you know, be happy. And I think it's Scotland fans that kind of were driving that. In the Tartan Army, when they go abroad, majority of them sing a, a, against ex-Rangers players or range, current Rangers players, who, and it's the, the booed them on particularly mm. on the pitch as well. So I think there's, there's definitely some sort of grievance there that, uh, some some strain towards the relationship between Rangers and, S- and Scotland fans. Um, I don't know where it came from right enough. I really don't. Other than the fact, I think it's just because of the fans of the clubs like I don't know Aberdeen and you know Hibs Hearts and things like that. Do you know I mean just because of Rangers players? I don't know, man. But anyway, that's not my opinion. That's just a, that's just. A, <laughs> People telling me this, and I go to games, and it's like, oh, whatever. Do you mean? But uh, for me, to answer your question, no, I don't really follow Scotland, and I probably won't. I might watch the odd game and the telly, whatever. But nah, I was going to ask. See, 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 like ten, fifteen years ago, when there was more Rangers players in the team, and that didn't seem to happen. Did you have more of a? Did you follow Scotland more then, when there was Ferguson, Thompson, Hutton, Miller? That kind of era where there was quite a lot of Rangers players in the squad, whereas now I think it's Jack that gets in regularly, and that's kind of. So as well. Big, I, I, 
I know what you're saying, I know what you're, what you're saying, but for me, and this is purely for a selfish point of view, I can't wait. So Whitaker, Ferguson, Hutton, McGregor and all that, they were all part yeah. of this at that point as well when Walter came over and took the second second stint at Rangers. I was always hoping, truth be told, that they'd pull out the Scotland squad, purely for a selfish yeah. point of view. Yeah. Because winning the league, for me, is the most important thing, right? In the world, and I don't want them to go and get away. Being Rangers, being Rangers players, they could go away and get injured for Scotland, and then it leaves us in the worst position. So, yeah. no, it wasn't really. I was actually going to oh, international break again. I can't even ask it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's two weeks away, and I'm yeah. like, no, I just it's a so no, I did that. No, I didn't have for Scotland back then either. No, oh, I was going to ask, I was going to ask, oh, sorry, Colin. I was going to say. I think that may be a wee bit why I can't connect as much because, <clears throat> as you were saying, like even like Walter Smith and Alex McLeish were Scotland manager. They were both ex-Rangers managers, so there was always that wee bit more connection plus all the players you mentioned. But because, well, it's not really Scotland's fault though because Rangers had one Scottish player in their team tonight. Like We do have a lack of Scottish players in the squad, which is an issue. But... It is kind of hard to like cheer on Cal McGregor and Kieran Tierney and, and co. Like, it, it kind of does go against a wee bit like the norm. Do you know what I mean? These guys who. But I suppose like, that's what that's what Gary's saying as well, though, because if they were the players back then, they were regular Rangers players in the Scotland squad, it probably would have stopped um, Gary from supporting Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Well, um, you, that, you say that, but it, it, didn't, it didn't really. Do you know? It, it, See, see, I remember was it the group that was Walter Smith or no? McLeish was a manager, and we, I think we did we have to beat Italy to beat uh, mm. to to get through it. It was like Ukraine, France, Italy. It was like a, a group we'd expect us to not. Uh, yeah, and we and I think I think we came really close. And I think and they scored. Was, they scored. Oh my god! Like, free kick. Yeah, yeah. Galvez house was that last one? Was that Perota that scored or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it was. I can remember. And I think Ferguson scored the first goal for Scotland, and I remember like celebrating. He did. Me and Neilfee watched the Galvez, didn't we? I remember that game so clearly, and I was like, so gutted at the end of the night. I remember being out of town actually that, that day because it was a three o'clock, three o'clock kickoff a Saturday. It was pushing the rain, and every every pub and club in Socky Hall Street was rammed. It was like ticket only. It was like Scotland are going to win this, and they're going to you know what I mean. They, and then it was such a such a anticlimax. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. but, uh, well, I was going to ask, but I think I know the answer because I asked Colin this on another pod. Uh, a few a couple of months ago, it was like, would you rather see your club team win the Champions League, or would you rather see Scotland win the World Cup? Club team win the Champions League, Rangers win the Champions League all day long. That's what I said. That's what Colin said. What about you, Gary? Oh, my, my, head, my, my, my head's kind of saying like, oh, how good would we score win the World Cup? But if I'm brutally honest with myself, I think Celtic winning the Champions League would be, oh. would, would I, yeah, as a head and a heart thing. Because see, yeah. it's easy, it's easy for me to say Scotland win the World Cup because that is more realistic than uh, <laughs> an Arab Sheikh coming in and like making Morton the best team in the world. You know what I mean? That's not happening anytime soon in my lifetime. So <laughs> Scotland win the World Cup is more 
more plausible than that happening. So that's that's my reality I live in. I don't think Rangers and Celtic have much a chance of winning the Champions League in our lifetime either, to be fair. So, so, so Paul, yes. So I'm just going to say, so so what's your thoughts and opinions then about Scotland in the Euros then? Do you think they're going to do well? Do you think they'll get out of the group? I don't really know what the format is this year with the Euros, so... I don't, I don't know, know that I don't know the format either, but I think the evolution of this team, I think we need to be aiming to get out of the group now. I know the last three results we've lost against the kind of elite teams, but like fair enough, England blows away, but we're trying something different with our tactics and formation. Uh, Spain we lost 2-0, but that good that game that game turned on a VAR decision, which we'll get to probably in the next uh, couple of segments because um, that was that was very close to being another upset and the France game it was very hard to tell because we put out a very weakened team we played a lot of the guys that have been loyal to the squad um, plus we've got a lot of injuries in it like Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney uh, and Hickey that's like a lot of your fullbacks missing in one go um, and they're top quality players um, so we, we kind of got cuffed there, but we played our B team against their A team, essentially. So it's hard to judge. But I think going forward, if we've got a full squad in the Euros, I think Steve Clark's a man that he'll learn from the last Euros because I think he kind of stayed a bit too loyal to some of his players and we didn't really reach our full potential in some of the games. Uh, but I think he'll learn from that and... We now have a game plan of how we want to play against different nations. So, like the kind of top tier, we can play against the Spains of this world and frustrate them. And Gary disappeared. Hi, um, oh, Gary. Um, uh, we can frustrate them. We may not win the game, but I think we can put on a good show at least. And then the kind of our level teams, I think we can take care of, I think. <laughs> like, I know we didn't we didn't do too great against Norway away, but I think that was kind of weird conditions. Like it was just so hot, and yeah, I think everyone was just really drained. It was that kind of mid-season point, early end of season kind of point. Uh, but we managed to contain like the likes of Haaland and Scotland does going to win Euros. Uh, <laughs> in my mind, uh, Haaland. And Odegaard, we kind of contained them pretty comfortably. Like we only let in three goals this campaign so far. So six matches. When was the last time you seen Scotland play six matches and only concede three goals? We usually conceded that in one game, um, and one was a penalty, one was a slip from Anne Hickey in like the last minute, and one was a good header by Murata. To be fair, but uh, so like I'm pretty confident going into it that we can make make some strides and maybe get out of the group, but I wouldn't set my sights any higher than that, um, to be fair. <laughs> I think they've got to do better than last year. I think they underachieved, but they were, I think I do agree that they were still learning, do you know what I mean? And they were just kind of... Um, but you know, they've been learning for, probably been learning for so long. They had the experience now. They've got good players in there. they played in the highest level, majority mm-hmm. of them, do you know in the Premier League. So, yeah, uh, and, and they're all good ages as well. Aye, it's, it's like Scotland's golden golden age, isn't it? Aye, so, I, would say, I would say so. Um, but uh, I think if we want, I think as well because it's the Euros, 
because the last one was like COVID era, the stadiums were in that that that, that full. Plus, it didn't feel like a Euros because we're like playing Hamden and Wembley. It was just like we're still in Britain. You know what I mean? So I think playing away in a massive tournament might kind of g up the squad. So I'm hoping I'm hoping we do a lot better because they played a lot of games now. They played a good settled team, which is unheard of for a Scotland team because, like you're saying, like James, the Rangers players you're hoping would call off um, back in the day. That used to be the case. You used to be looking forward to the international break and you just have a an absolute wave of call-offs because um, either Scotland were out or they'd had a bad result the game before and nobody wanted to play. Nobody was enthusiastic about it. But we've got kind of a good club mentality now at national level that I think we can we can make some waves. I think I've noticed that. I have noticed that actually that there's no way much call off now unless they're injured. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. people do want to be excited by it, I think, now and, and they're bought into what Steve Clark's kind of bringing to the table. So, aye. Um, before we kind of move on to play, like you mentioned a few times, Paul, um, I'm going to put in some of the. We put this out on Twitter and we got a few kind of people. It was quite a few people actually, we'll say quite a few, two people. <laughs> Two people responded back to us, and uh, the football uh, project football podcast that we had on for the dodgeball review. Um, check that out. That was a, a cracking review. Um, but he said they've got some way to go. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> so well there. Um, we'll put that in the bloopers reel. <laughs> right, so this is the right one. There you go. So he says, "Great for Scotland to have made." consecutive Euro tournaments, which is, I suppose that is good. They go through the back door in the first one, but they've went through and um, made it two games to spare, Paul, like you say, do you know what I mean? So it's pretty decent. Craig from What's the Script? He doesn't care. <laughs> so he's probably the same boat as myself and, and Colin. Well, not so much Colin. Me. He, doesn't min- he doesn't mince his words, does he? No, I'm going to hazard a guess that he's a Rangers fan, also. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's a Rangers fan, actually, but I understand where he's coming from. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't know, it's it's Marmite in international duty. Uh It's like you you love it, you hate it, and uh, Craig and I seem to hate it. Okay, so you mentioned a player, Paul. Um, You said McSauce now. Can you tell me where this comes from, McSauce? I don't know. I don't know that either. To be fair, <laughs> I don't know. I just call him McSauce. I just see it on Twitter. I think big McSauce. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought this was a well-known thing. I was like, okay, is, so is, is Tommy a type of sauce? I don't know. What big tomato ketchup? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. But he has been some player this uh, qualification campaign. I think he's got the same amount of goals as Ellen Haaland. I know Haaland missed two games at the start, but. Still, for a boy that plays centre mid for Man United, uh, doesn't get a game and can't get slated every week on Twitter. He scored, he scored a few goals for United the last few weeks. Did that? Yeah. He's like top, is it not top of score for Man United? Uh, a season with three goals or something like that. Something crazy. And he's only played like ten, like uh, two full games or something like that. Something mental. But I uh, scored six goals in this campaign, I think it was so far, and He's been absolutely standing. He's playing the more advanced role and love him a bit. Love him a bit. All right. So that was actually um, Alex McLeish who brought him in. 
So as McLeish, she's he managed to get him to leave a Scotland, you know, and then um, that was probably as McLeish's only thing that he done um, for Scotland in his second stint. So he brought uh, in McSauce. I could, I could be wrong, but um, that leads us into the good the next segment then of Manchester United, where McTominay has had a bit of form for Scotland, but seems to have kind of fallen a favour at Manchester United, but maybe back in, I don't know. So the next segment is, will Manchester United be great again? And Colin, are you wanted to take this away? Um, do you like Man United, James? <laughs> do I like Manchester United? Um, actually, I don't um, like them. Um, are we going to find out later why not? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you the reasons why. <laughs> I, I, I think it's time to, to well, tell you. I think... Am I safe in saying we all watched the Beckham documentary? Yeah. Yes. So, I'm not particularly fast on Man United nowadays. I actually prefer Arsenal. But, I don't know. Just that Man United team of Beckham, etc. It just it reminds me of like my, my favourite... I think we all admit, like late nineties, early two thousands, is like kind of peak football. And that may just be bias at our age, but would you agree that those are really fond memories for you guys, like late nineties, yeah. early two thousands? And uh, I think a big thing, like I just find Sir Alex like fascinating. Like I read his book and everything, and I've just recently finished, um, you know, Stephen Barclay off Dragons Den. That does the Diary of a CEO podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He he wrote a book based off his podcast where he kind of summarized all the kind of lessons about life and business. And there's quite a few chapters devoted to Ferguson. And I just find his whole approach fascinating. There was a story uh, Evera told in the book. And it was a, uh, in his opinion, he played his best ever game away to Spurs. He came in at halftime and Alex Ferguson kept looking at him and ever just like looked back at him. And then Ferguson just went nuts at him, like saying, like, you're awful, like get your finger out. And he went in to see Ferguson the next week and he was like laughing, joking, smiling, whistling. And he's like, Why did you talk to me like that? He's like, Oh, I don't worry about it. You were the best player in the park. And then everyone was just like, Oh, he just did that as a warning to everyone else, because Apparently, Ronaldo had been doing too many stepovers. He was at that kind of stage. And I, I just find his whole philosophy and the, the culture he created at the club. I think that's why I like Man United, particularly of that era, just that magical feeling that Ferguson had because they talked about how Ferguson never went into the changing rooms at the training ground because he'd passed that on to Rio Ferdinand, Beckham, Neville, and he knew that they would just call the newbies out on, like not following the rules. Um, James, it's a wee bit like if you really get a class really well drilled, you could leave the room for five minutes and you know that you've got people in there that they kind of like call people out. Do you know what I mean? I can, I don't know if you can relate to that, but. Um, no comment. Well, <laughs> what, what, what do you, what do you make? Like, James, you can have your say as well, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really just fascinated by it as like a, case study of leadership to be honest like and just a lot of the great memories so paul what what do you think have you do you know much about like ferguson's philosophies and like how he kind of ran the ship 
Well, um, like you're talking about the like the discipline and stuff like that. I watched the Amazon uh, documentary that he did, and he's a he's a fascinating guy. And like you, you see all the the players that talk about him, and everyone admires him. He's kind of regarded as one of the the best managers of the bout. But I was saying like, oh, my United be great again. I think that's one of their issues just now is the lack of discipline. <laughs> like it, I don't know if Ten Hag's got that Ferguson in him because like there's obviously the stuff going on with Sancho um in the background. Uh Harry Maguire, all that stuff's been quite public as well. Um and yeah, Anthony as well. Anthony as well, yeah. Um and Greenwood. So there's been a lot of off the field issues to deal with, but she never really got in the in the Ferguson era other than Beckham getting a bit to the head. It's crazy though, like he left ten years ago this year, retired. And uh, they haven't they haven't won the league or really been near to winning the league since and it's it's just it's just crazy how much like they miss him, isn't it? Uh, I mean, they got to the Europa League final, didn't they? So they they managed to to Mourinho took them win the Europa Europa League with them. He's won a FA Cup or a League Cup. Can't remember now. Um, so that's that's pitiful for Man United. Uh, Man United, you know, should be winning the league. Not right. Honestly, they should be winning the league right now. There's no divine right to win the league. But what Alex Ferguson's done for Man United is that he's brought so much success it's became expectation do you know what I mean so Man United and the fans are, have to get to the point if be realistic here and go you know what we're not going to win the league for another 10 20 years let's be honest here the Paul said that uh, he's got they've got massive issues in the back um there's lack of discipline Possibly mixed with the current social issues, I think, because being a footballer nowadays is a lot different from being a footballer for when Alex Ferguson was the manager. Do you know what I mean? There's no social media. If you watch the Beckham documentary, they, they say that quite a lot. They talk about there's no social media. It was all done through paper <laughs> and tabloids and stuff like that. Where, I mean, it's it was so easy to... It's so easy now, is what I mean, to, to say something wrong. Or to, if to say something to the wrong journalist, or to say something to the wrong pundit, it's so so easy. Um, and I don't think Manchester United have found uh, an answer in um, Eric Ten Hag. To be honest with you, um, I don't know who the answer is. I thought Mourinho would have been the answer, but no, he's he's kind of fallen fell into that level of the same way that David Moyes was and Louis Van Gaal. Do you know what I mean? You need to get Guardiola to cross the divide. Well, Man United spent a lot of money, didn't they? In the summer, they, they bought Anthony and they, they've got Sancho, who's going to be out the door shortly by, by the sounds of it. And then um, they get Harry Maguire there. Jeez, oh, what, what can you do with Maguire? Always an embarrassment. I mean, he did the right thing, did the right thing of uh, sacking him with the captaincy. He was never a captain. I think, um, I think his favours coming back in though, because he scored the winner last night. Well, I, I seen that actually <laughs> on, on flash score on my phone. I was like, oh, he scored a, a goal when it was at the right end. 
So, aye, so for me then, Man, Man United, I'll tell you why I, I don't like Man United, right? So people are, you know, they just sit here wanting to know. I've been, I've been waiting to find out with us for what right, so my, my dad, right, he was a pure, my dad, my dad was a pure Scotland fan, right? So anything to do with Scotland, he loved. That's just good, that's Ferguson. And that's Ferguson, obviously, had the Rangers connection as well, Colin, but... He just loved that, and he just drilled Man United, Man United, Man United, and Rangers. I'm like, I, and Man United were always on Channel Three um, when I was growing up because the Champions League was on Channel Three. I don't know if you remember that, right? It was, and it was just drilled, and I'm like, Man United, and it always seemed to get lucky. The most luckiest team I've ever known, probably lucky is Celtic. If I'm being honest with you, sorry, Gary. Um, Last minute goals, injury time, Andy Doan. It's like we're playing until Manchester United score a goal. That's what it felt like. And and the whole thing that probably encapsulates all this is the is the Champions League win in nineteen ninety nine. When it was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. I because obviously the Beckham um documentary highlighted that I watched recently. And it was like just remembering that game. It's like I remember watching it as well with my dad. And it's like how lucky can that be? And I don't even think they deserve to win it. But that's football, isn't it? And even now, I still can't see them. I can't, you know, when they win or they, I just uh, I don't like it, man. You know, I just don't like it. I'm a Chelsea fan. My English team's Chelsea, uh, and they're they're not doing particularly great now either. They're in a Massive state of rebuild, um, and that'll be a future topic. I reckon Chelsea, and I'm happy to take stick by people from that as well. Um, but my United have got a long, long way to go to win anything. Well, to win the league anyway, because that's the bread and butter. And I don't see Man City gearing up anytime soon. They're just going to get better and better. Uh, unfortunately. Spurs seem to be doing well. We covered Spurs in the last episode, Seismic Soccer 1, episode 1. So check that out. We talk about the big Ange Postacoglu and the impact. And he's still unbeaten, Paul. He's still unbeaten. I did call it. I said they're going to beat Liverpool and they beat Liverpool with a wee lucky VAR, which we'll get into later on. <laughs> Gary, what's, Gary, what's your thoughts on? So yeah, sorry, my wife did a bit of a wobble, which is why I've not spoken the last five minutes. My Wi-Fi is kind of packing it in. So um, yeah, I mean, the question I was going to ask, the the quote I always remember was Jose Mourinho, after he finished second with Man United, said it was maybe the greatest achievement of his football career. Whether you sort of love or hate Mourinho, he's won pretty much everything. So what is it? What what is it that's you know? You say James at Man United have got like a long way back to go. Like what? They spend a lot of money. They get managers in that have got you know track records. What what is it that's stopping them? Why do they continually kind of show these shoots of promise and then fall back into you know what's happened this season? Um, I can't work it out. There's obviously problems behind the scenes, but I don't know what they are. There's a lot of problems behind the scenes, isn't there? The, the, the Glazers, the takeovers, there's massive problems. And I forgot Benino had said that. Mind if he said was his big achievement or the biggest achievement. Um, 
I don't know. They need obviously new owners first and foremost, and I think they need. I think part of the fans expect too much. I think they've also not got the right the right minders in, um, and I don't know. I, I I really don't know what they what they can what they need to do, but it's the longer they wait. The harder it's going to be, but because Spurs, Arsenal, uh, Man City, I mean Man City, <laughs> um, <laughs> Chelsea, no, not so much Chelsea right now, but Chelsea will be great again, even quicker than Man United will. So yeah. I don't know what Man United. Need to do, you think, do you think they should have stuck with Davy Moyes for a few years? <clears throat> Probably not. In fairness to Moiso, they never really backed him the way they did other managers. I think he bought Fellaini and that was it, wasn't it? But that was the final straw. Yeah, I kind of... Wanda Smacker, don't get him as well? Obviously, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, and their star, their star boy was Yenisei. He's, yeah. he's done well at West Ham, though. Yeah, but I, I kind of think Man United just now, it doesn't matter who they sign. Like, they could sign Haaland and, and Bappe, whoever you like, and it just seems to go right or wrong. Yeah, and they always seem, they always seem to buy players. I don't know, like they always seem to buy like young, young, up and coming talent. I don't know, like because like see through the spine of the team, it just feels very weak. Like yeah. they bought Onana um, to replace the hair. Like the hair was a great shot stopper, but he was absolutely shite trying to kick the ball. Well, um, on that note, Onana or Jack Butland. Well, because Jack Butland can save a ball, I'd probably say Jack Butland right now. Yeah, because he was Man U's like, bench warmer keeper last year. It was, aye. But they played everyone. Money, think, think how much money they could have saved just putting Jack Butland with in the sticks. I know. Like, Onana's good with, his, good with his feet, but for some reason right now, he just kind of seemed to save a ball, except for last, what was it, a couple of nights ago when he saved that penalty. Uh, it's Copenhagen. Henry Larson's son, Gary was telling me. Oh, was it? He missed it, didn't yeah, it? Was that him? It was. Uh... Oh, that's going to be a sore one. Yeah, um, his dad wasn't the best at penalties either. Um, and then, like, you see in the midfield and that, it's like a choice of, like, Fernandez, who's a wee whiny baby, or you've got, like, McTominay, who's been profiled as a centre defensive mid when he's literally like a striker. They're playing him in the wrong position. Um Ericsson, who's pushing the wrong side of, like, is it the tail end with a dodgy ticker? Um, and up front, you got Hoyland, right enough, but he's just new to the club. And I don't know, Garnacho. he just didn't seem to be getting service. Garnacho's pretty good. Ah, he's all right. He's, he's, he's getting there. He's getting there. He had a few, he's had a few flashes of brilliance in a couple of bits where he's been a bit naff. But... Rashford's either brilliant or awful. Yeah. Well, last thing, McTominay scored more goals than Rashford this season. And McTominay's, uh, Rashford's played uh, like nine games or ten games or something, which is crazy. Um, but I just think through the spine of the team, it just looks very weak. Like, think back to the days when you had like Fernand and Vidic. Like, they need a player like Vidic to like command, but they've got Varane, who's like you were saying, like he's pushing the wrong end of the career. Um, or they've got Lindelof, who's a bit weak. Or then they've got like the rest of them, just, they just aren't up to much. So, you need a real leader in there. Maguire's. Here. Looking like he's coming back in, but I don't know. You need to get Roy Keane in as manager. I don't know. I don't I, like, like, like Gary says. I don't know what's going to 
what's going to propel them because they always seem to spend a lot of money yeah. in the transfer windows, but they don't do anything with it. I mean, they bring in players that are just like Anthony is just piss poor, really. Do you, do you think they just got lucky with their class of 92 having Beckham, Scholes, Neville, Giggs all at the same time? Like, do you think they can do that again or do you think that's a one off? Oh, that's thing. How many academy players do you see coming through like that now? Oh. Like, Look yeah. at Chelsea. Look at Chelsea when Lampard was the manager, though they brought through Reese James, Mason Mount, Abraham. Like they, did pre- they did pretty well with That's that. Because kind of they had they had I know, but yeah. the players were there. The players were there though, and they did well. They finished fourth with no transfer budget. Yeah, it's a mix of everything in it. You need the players there, and then you need a manager that's going to play them. And Ferguson with the manager, you win nothing, my kids. Oh, that's what they told them. Right, okay, so I'm conscious of time, guys, and we're going to move on to the third segment of VAR. Is it good, bad, or ugly? So we've had a number of encounters since VAR was introduced. Actually, it was introduced in Scotland one year ago um, this week. Um, I, this week, because the first game in Scotland was Celtic Hearts, I think it was, at Tynecastle, and it was a bit of contra- controversy at that. So... It's been involved in Scotland for a year now, but it's been a bit of a nightmare across the whole board, I think. But um, Gary, are you ready to take it away from here then? What is your opinion of VAR? And um, we can give our opinion thereafter. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So obviously it's been in the last few weeks with Luis Diaz, the decision in the Spurs-Liverpool game. Um, I think Ange Postacoglu and other pundits and things like that have been calling for it to be scrapped and his opinion. Me personally, I, I go to the games, uh, the Celtic games, and I don't think it improves the sort of spectator experience. You know, you get this every time you a goal scored, you sort of almost don't want to celebrate until, you know, you, you, the VAR check's complete. Um, there was, I think there was one game I went to, like maybe eight or nine months ago, where it was like, I think there was like four goals out of five on the day that were VAR checked and it just sucked the atmosphere right out of the stadium. So I think that, you know, it's, um, I don't think it improves, I don't think it improves foot, football in terms of the like the excitement, of, you know, in the stadium or when you're watching it because it kind of takes away those sort of moments. But, um, but having said that, I do think that, I do think that, um, 2023 and you need technology to start to like you know the game's faster than it's ever been and now I think that referees need a bit of help so I think in that sense I think using technology is um is the right thing to do but I don't I don't personally think that it's it's working well so far I don't think it's been applied right I don't think the rules of the game have probably kept pace with it um you know when you see people getting called offside because their strikers getting called offside because their sort of big toenail is off as, as across the line, I don't think that's really what the offside rule was meant for. Um, so my personal opinion is it's it's not um, is it's probably something that that we need to bear with. To be honest, I don't think it's going to be perfect. I think that football needs to sort of live with it um, because I think there's too much on the line now in football. You know, there's people get relegated and it costs jobs and hundreds of millions of pounds in some weeks and stuff. So you know the the impact. Of, wrong decisions is probably more than it's ever been so it would seem weird that football is the only sport not to use technology to aid you know this kind of thing um i just think football particularly scottish football i've got to say 
I think done it on the cheap. Um, seems to there seems to be odd decisions getting made. Um, and it's it's like I say, it's, as a fan, I don't think it's improved the the experience of watching a football game. Um, but I don't think it's going away. And I think um, we just have to learn how football can. I think the rules and and the referees and how that all works has to evolve with it. Um, <coughs> is my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. Okay, um, Colin, you want to start us off? I just, like, I was, well, I was thinking of my own response. Gary touched on a lot of it, just like as you were saying, like, toenails or their hairs offside. Like, when you look back to pre the offside rule, like, back in the day, there was no offside and you could just stand on the goal line and score. Like, I think it should be more just if someone's, like, like, you shouldn't need technology to see somebody's offside, really. Like the, I think that's just overcomplicated it so much, and it's so unnecessary. Like, see when Raskin scored against Hibs on Saturday, and then it was such a, a really good goal. But then, as Gary said, just it's that resignation when you see the VAR sign, like this isn't going to count. There was because that old firm game at the start of the season, I think Matondo's goal was probably correctly ruled out offside. But then Roof scored, and it was, was it they gave a foul against him, but it was never a was it the one where what happened? Um, Somebody kicked someone. Was it not Dessers? I Dessers. Dessers blocked the um, thingy from kicking it. No, uh, but just I I think Gary's right in saying I think it does. I think just you you are you are scared to celebrate like because I'm in like some group chats and when Rangers score you you post in it. But you're even hesitant to do that now, or you get you feel like an idiot afterwards. And that uh, Scotland Spain one, which I'm sure Paul will go on to talk about, just kind of put the biscuit in terms of them not really knowing what was what the reason was. Yeah, so like, yeah, I would I would scrap it. Yeah, well, I think VR is a good like I think VR is a good thing if it's applied properly. Like it's fine having a VR check, and then if the referee is called over it's down it's a lot of its subjectivity so if the referee's seen it in real t- in like slow down on that he should be able to make that call himself but i feel like it's influenced because he gets called over and and you like as soon as he gets called over you're like oh he's going to change the decision very rarely do they keep to their stick to their guns but like i remember that the world cup and it was like kind of semi-automated VR. i don't remember like barely any issues in the World Cup whatsoever with the VAR. But then week in, week out now, we're just seeing mistakes. It seems to be the way it's been interpreted by the humans involved, if you know what I mean. It just seems to be like human errors all the time. And somebody's checking it for like the wrong reasons or whatever. And it just, it just doesn't seem right. Like I'm going to go back to one thing to Gary before the, the game. Um, Martin were playing a cup game and it was a uh, I think it was only one of the first ones we were involved with VAR at Celtic Park and it was absolutely ludicrous handball, we were, we were playing well as well and then basically Celtic boys shot two of our centre backs were facing facing up the guy that was shooting um, it deflected off one centre back went behind the other centre back and flicked off his hand and it got given us a deliberate handball. And it's like, there's not a chance. And the referee got called over to look at it. 
and he still gave it. And it's like, how can you look at that and still give it? Um, don't know if you just joined us back, Gary. I was just talking about the Celtic handball uh, against Morton because I'm still bitter about it. Yeah, no, you're right. It was a bad, bad call. Um, but yeah, that was like my first. That's the only time I've seen Morton involved with a VR call. But yeah, it was just, it was disgusting. No man, I know. Like similar happened to Big Cholak against Partick Thistle. Um, Partick got a penalty, and Cholak's back was turned, and he hit off his hand. The same, I think it was the same season. Um, I believe it was the same season. I can't remember. It was last year anyway. Cholak was only there for one year, so. Aye, but it was he, he got he got the a penalty against us because of that. No, I think totally. Totally right. My opinion of the VR that it's it's no being used right. What you can't really forgive the one with the Spurs and Liverpool game for me was was massive. Diaz scored a pretty good goal. For me, offside is factual, isn't it? You either offside or no. They'll get the, the technology there to draw the lines and whatever. Whatever problem happened there was that they were telling the information the information from the VAR room. To the referee was totally was a, was a miscommunication. Hi, human can, error. Hi. How can that be? I mean, okay, it's, it's fast paced game, I get it, right? But as soon as the mistake's made, how can they not just go back and say, listen, you made an ass of this? It's like, oh, you're gonna have to go back to the screen or whatever and do it. But they said they couldn't couldn't do that because the ball had the, the play had moved on a significant amount of time. I don't think so. I know, but nothing, nothing significant had happened. They just kicked off and they went to out of play or something like. Uh, like you're saying, why couldn't they just roll it back and be like, yeah, by the way, it was a goal. We made a mess of this. Can you just start again? I went for a throw in, and how could they know if went? You know, because it was if uh, the other team scored. Do you know what I mean? So it's I don't know, man. It's certainly, <laughs> certainly um, used or used incorrectly. One for me, man. Like you're talking about, sucks. Sucks the. The atmosphere at the games, Colin. I was at the Rangers and Celtic game at Ibrooks. Mm. Mendesas won, won the ball, um, and Roof scored that goal. And when Rangers scored, you know, or when Celtic scored against Rangers, I, I, you're falling over seats, and then you get that VAR check, and it's like, oh, what's going on? What, what, I, I was right there. There's no foul, and it was a foul apparently. But I think the referees as well are lazy now. Because they know that if they're not 100% sure, then they're going to get called out of the screen and somebody's got their back. So I think sometimes the referees are fear to give a, their own opinion on a foul or whatever, but know they'll get the, the the correct result because of the guys in the bar room. So I think there's a wee bit of that involved in it, which is maybe a wee bit kind of conspiracy theory kind of thing, but... I don't know, man. I think that's certainly. I know the VAR, VAR is there to help them, and it, yeah, it should be because refereeing is difficult. I get it, but it wouldn't be fair to make the right choices because somebody's got your back. If you need to be ballsy enough to give the correct decisions and see if you made the wrong decision on the pitch, you'll be told and that's fine. It's human mistake, right? It wasn't a handball, it wasn't a foul, go to the screen, okay, I made, I made an arse it. But don't, just don't know you a foul because you think it's not a foul. So I think there's a wee bit of lazy refereeing involved in it. Um, I could be wrong, man. I don't know what your opinion is on that, but that's that's my opinion on it. 
I think you're right, James. I think um, the the point of ours meant to be it's if there's a clear and obvious error, and I think that definitely the ones in Scotland that I've seen the referees want VAR to referee the game for them, and they're essentially just a guy in the middle of the park running about a whistle, and that's that's kind of it. So no, I'm, I I couldn't agree more. I think I think a lot of referees are hiding behind it now. Is there um, not the whole thing where like see if like somebody gets two yellows? They can't overrule that because it's a yellow rather than a red. Is that right? Aye. Uh, did I make that up? That's ridiculous. It's still a red card, isn't it? See if it's, it's a second yellow and it's incorrect, it should be able to be removed. I know. It's a joke, man. Like, ah, <clears throat> um, uh, They need to properly go through the rules again with that. And the whole offside stuff, you, they're talking about uh, toenails and all the rest of it, I mean, the advantage, the advantage should always go to the striker. So if a toe is a fraction offside, then surely that's all right. But then I'm contradicting myself for a wee bit because I just said it's factual a minute ago, hmm. right? And you have said you're offside, but the advantage should always be given to the attacker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the way it's always been. A hundred percent. That that stuff that I, the human eye wouldn't wouldn't see before. So you can't take a rule that was made however many years ago. And put that kind of technology on it, and it works. So I think it's got to change. You've got to give the benefit to the attacker. Um, I think the whole, the, all the rules need. You can't, you can't, you can't take rules that have been around for decades and introduce this into the mix and expect it to work together. I just don't think it works. Alright. So I put uh, again VAR on Twitter and things, and Craig from it's Craig from the start again. Tiffin. Craig from What's the Script said, Scrap it. And Project Football Podcast says, Get VAR in the bin. So no one seems to like it. But I think what you're saying, um, Gary, is that it's 2023 slash 2024 soon. We're going to be moving along with. Technology, it just has to get better. But that's not your job to make it better. We we are the the people who pay for you know for, for sport. We should be able to enjoy it. We know we're already put through pain and anguish because we're football fans. Do you know what I mean? We we don't have to go through any more because people can't do their jobs correctly. Yeah. So, aye. Aye, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird one though, isn't it? Because like we always focus like. We focus on the bad decisions, but in most in a lot of games too, there is a lot of good decisions you see as well. So it's a kind of double edged sword because if you didn't have it, then you'd probably be missing all these wee things like these offsides that are clear offsides, but it's just a split second in that. So it is a double edged sword because you need it, but it's frustrating when it doesn't work. So like you're saying, we we need it to be foolproof, or what's the point in having it? So we'll go, we'll go back. We'll go back to the Spain Scotland game. Then the decision in VAR was uh, offside, wasn't it? Is that what, happened, what the final? Uh, I I think the final verdict was offside. I, I think there was a bit of confusion whether it was a foul, a foul or offside. But I think eventually it was given offside. Um, which I think, in the emotion of things, I think I was pretty hard done by. I thought we were robbed, but I think in the end up it was the right decision. Technically, because Henry was offside when the ball was hit, he did 
uh, make contact with the keeper very slightly. But uh, I think if if these calls are coming in, you need to make have some like kind of common sense because McTominay's goal, I think, was going in anyway without uh, Hendry's involvement. Like the keeper was didn't make any attempt to try and save it. So I just felt like that. It's, I feel like it should have counted in my heart, but I know in my head that it's not going to count any which way, way because it was offside. Um, but I just it's like when he things like so, like if somebody hits like a forty yard screamer, but there's somebody coming in from an offside position, um, is that the keeper could just say, oh, he was in my line, so does that mean he's offside? And should this goal count? Like remember that goal that Rashford, not Rashford, somebody scored. Casemiro. But Rashford, Rashford was like shielding the ball and he was offside. There's no Casemiro called it though, was something that was it. I remember the game, right? And like somebody passed the ball through and Rashford was offside, but he shielded it and like didn't touch it. And then another person ran through and scored. Aye. It's like I don't understand how these rules that's that's a human I think that's a human factor coming into it, how they've interpreted it. Ah, subjectivity, isn't it? Like you say, man, it's not subjective. Yeah. Right? So that referee against Scotland might have, well, he had a shocker, didn't he? He had a shocker oh, at that. Anyway. Over, overall, he did. I, I, there's so so <clears> many <throat> decisions went against us that night. It was unreal. McGinn got wiped out in the edge of the box by Laporte, um, who is a dirty big bastard, by the way. Dirty <laughs> bastard. Um, he's he just shoulder barges people in the back and then the side and that. And he's like, oh, I did nothing. Um, <laughs> and, he's, uh, and he's French as well. <laughs> I, know, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I did that in a weird German accent. I did not. It's Cameron. It's Cameron. No, I mean, he plays for Spain, but he is French. Like, I don't even know if there's any relatives there. He just decided he wanted to play for Spain. Do you have the uh, Wikipedia page at hand, Colin? <laughs> what's that? Do you have the Wikipedia page at hand? Maybe. Uh, both both the Spain centre backs were French born. Um, but I had a shocker. I had that. We were getting yellow cards for absolutely nothing. Spain, people, Spain players were just moaning about everything. It was a, hor- a horrible game. The, the referee was just terrible. Um, but what can you do? It's one of those things. So the referee was pulled over the monitor that game, and our referee could have went, "No, nah, Henry didn't it, and Ryan there and gave the goal." Do you know what I mean? So suppose because he was offside, the question was, he was definitely offside, but was he impeding the goalkeeper? So another another referee. Could have easily have gave that a go to Scotland. I mean, but I, th- I think if it was a Scottish referee in the top flight in one of these, like St Johnson versus like Motherwell, they're probably like, ah, it's fine. Does it really matter? Because it's like a Spain on the international stage. It's like, oh well, we kind of give Scotland a go. Well, don't remember. Also, don't remember the fact that it was National Spain Day as well. Or was it? Uh, <laughs> well, there we go then. So uh, conspiracy confirmed. <laughs> right okay so we'll move on then um to the, the last segment and the last segment is rangers appoint philippe clement the the belgian um ex-player now manager is now the, the the manager of rangers football club um so this is this is my um segment i'll introduce this um and we'll get some thoughts um from the rest of you although sorry make no care um, Colin might at least anyway. <laughs> so Rangers have been playing poorly for uh, the vast majority since pre-season, and 
I think the Raiders don't have any identity to their to their play. Um, I think Michael Beale, who was the manager at the time, had already ran his race. He never won a meaningful game against Celtic in the year before. <laughs> I would have beaten Hibs and Hearts and the Aberdeens in the last season, but beating Celtic, if you can't beat Celtic, you can't be Rangers manager. And that was the the dilemma he found himself in. So Michael Beale had to go. In my opinion, he had to go straight after the Celtic game because losing to Celtic, who had no team, pretty much, a makeshift back line, and we'd never really tested them. Um, and I, I packed Ibrox with no Celtic fans there, and we didn't even test them, really. Um, and that just confirmed that the identity of the team was wasn't he there? Either because Michael Beale was making things too complicated with his formations because he thinks he's a master tactician, or possibly the players didn't buy into any of what he's selling, essentially, and he had to go. So Philippe Clement is now the Rangers manager. He was previously the manager of Genk, Club Bruges, and he had a brief stint at Monaco that didn't really work out for him there. Um, he's a Belgian manager and he's got quite a good pedigree I think he's one of the three uh, up Colin Sportney's Belgium top who Colin did you say that the Belgium nickname the, the Red Devils aye aye my voice is going now um, luckily though, uh, luckily I, well hopefully I don't sound like um, Chris from It's a Script get well soon Chris <laughs> um, yeah, it's well soon. Aye, aye. So he won the, the the league with Genk, I think, and he won the, the the league with Club Bruges before moving to Monaco. So he's got a massive job on his hands because he's 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 really inherited a bunch of, in my opinion, duds. Um, we've got players, and I've got no idea how Michael Beale managed to, to to pick these players. Ironically enough, the only player who's doing a decent job for us, apart from Butland, is Seema, and he's the only player who we got in the summer who's not even on a permanent deal. So the others who we've got haven't even, you know, set the header light at all. Lammers for me, dud. Dessers a dud. Um, and we just seem to as well have a bunch of injuries. I don't even know what's going on there either. James, oh, don't, no. hold, don't hold back, just say what you feel. <laughs> <laughs> this is time to rant here. I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll hand over shortly. Was it, was it no last episode you said you wanted to put De- Dessers in a time capsule and uh, just bury him alive? <laughs> I, 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 I did say that and I still stand by it. Um, <laughs> Aye, so the, so he's got a big job in his hands, does Philip Clement, and against um, Hibs and Saturday, I've seen you know, good signs of improvement. There was like, none of this kind of uh, horseshoe football that we did. There was the kind of more urgency going towards goal, trying to score more goals. Hibs get away with a 4 0, should have been 5 or 6, in my opinion. Players just looked up for it tonight. As we record, it was the, after the Sparta Pride game, a good draw. Could have won a game, but also could have lost a game. 
he's got a big job he's hands trying to bring the confidence back to these players. So Colin, what's your opinion on the the capture of Clermont for Rangers and do you think he's going to do a good job? I didn't know a lot about him at the start, but I don't know if it's just now that I know he played for the Belgium national team, I'm kind of like convincing myself I remember him as a player. I'm, I kind of maybe I'm thinking of Jeremy Clement, the French midfielder, play for us. Uh, <clears throat> but the more I, I kind of heard about him and his record, because he, I think Genk weren't particularly good, and he took them over, and he won the league in his second season, and then Bruges snapped him up, and then he won back to back leagues plus quite a few cups as well, and I think he bet I think he he's I think he like drew Real Madrid in the Champions League with Bruges. <clears throat> at one point as well, the one the <clears throat> the stage at Monaco, it's kind of like mixed reported because he was there for I think two seasons or at least a season and a half. In the first season, they finished third, which isn't really that bad when you've got PSG in the league. Um, so a lot of people are saying his time at Monaco was a failure, but. Doesn't really sound that bad, depending on what sources you listen to. Um, so I, I was starting to favour him. I did kind of early on quite fancy Kevin Muscat for the job because maybe it's just jumping on the Ange bandwagon, but obviously he took over from him in both Japan and Australia. Um, I think he could have done a good job as well. We'll never know that now. <clears throat> this is my controversial take, but. I think we spoke about this before, but Lampard has got this reputation in the last couple of years. I'm not saying, by the way, before we start, that I would have hired Lampard over Clement. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> I think I th- I generally think Lampard did a good job at Chelsea the first time round, and the circumstances of the transfer ban, bringing through basically a whole crop of young players and finishing fourth. Um, and he did well at Derby by all accounts as well. The second spell at Chelsea doesn't really count for anything, and Everton was a bit of a mess, but I don't know. I also quite just like him as a guy, and he was an amazing player. I don't know if it's just a wee bit the Steven Gerrard effect. Um, I think Clement was the right choice. I would have picked Muscat over Lampard as well. Um, so, yeah, and I've watched all of his, like, avidly watched all of his press conferences, and I really like the the way he speaks and his Harry Potter references as well. He says he's not Harry Potter with a, a magic stick was his, his quote. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I also like that he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't give a lot away. Like he keeps getting asked for like what team he's playing, what formation. And he's just like, oh, why would I tell you? Because my competitors are listening. Whereas Michael Beale was famous for oversharing uh, right. what he was talking about. And I think the Hibs game went well. First half tonight was a bit rubbish, but I think he was quite bold. Instead of just shoehorning Ben Davies in as a left back, he changed to the three at the back and he played Seema as a left wing back, which worked pretty well, I would say, uh, by all accounts. I thought Ben Davies had a good game as well. Um, at left centre back, I thought he covered really well. Um, and he just seems like he's got a, a plan and he's not going to take any prisoners. And I think no one's ever on Ferguson's level, but I think he could. If given time, could maybe have 
a kind of similar influence on like the culture at Rangers and really getting them back to winning ways. Obviously, Alex Ferguson's a one in a a lifetime manager, but I don't see why Clement couldn't come in and really set those standards and get Rangers back to where they want to be. That's just my take anyway. Aye, uh, I mean, I mean, we talk about Kevin Muscat. This is probably the first time in a long time I, I really didn't know who I wanted as a manager. I wasn't really kind of like overly looking because I thought oh, <coughs> he's going to inherit here. So, I mean, I don't know if Pep Guardiola could do a job. I really don't. But time will tell, I guess, when that. Seema played really well tonight, actually. You're right. Um, he worked his ass off. So, again, but that comes to my point. He's the only player I've got who will be signed in the summer who's not permanent. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. the Rangers thing, isn't it? And then Danilo came on. Did no bad. I think he's got potential to do well. Well, you would hope for more than potential at the price tag, but I uh, think I think with games, I think he will hopefully come good. I, I don't think uh, Clement suffers fills either, to be honest with you. I think he's 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 getting a good week and a um look see at the at the squad. He seems to like Scott Wright, I think. He started him against Hibs and he's came on today tonight and made a good impact, I, I felt. Scott Wright. I love I love some Scott Wright appreciation. I'm in a group chat that hates him. Alex is stuck up for the underdog. See, to be honest with you, I think he, he came on, especially last season, um, in the season we won, this, I, won, we won the Scottish Cup. He came on against Celtic in the semi-final. He changed the game, I think. Um, I think he came on for... Um, <coughs> when Ramsey went off injured. I think... I, he's, he's no... Uh, Player I'd play every week. Do you know what I mean? He's a good, he's like my Tondo a wee bit. He's probably more of a kind of impact player, I feel, but we definitely need to improve. Uh, it'd be good to see who he brings in in January because I would like to think he's got players up his sleeve. He can do a job for us. No, it's not going to be him though. Like, he's already said that he's not that kind of manager because we're, it looks like we're going to bring in a director of football in mid mid November, apparently. So uh, I think he's got a bit more hands off with the transfers than maybe Bill was. Aye. And before this turns into a sorry, Colin, before this turns into a Rangers podcast, I do want to introduce Paul into it as well because I don't want to have Paul and Gary sitting there bored. This could, this could be this could be a proper another hour talking about this. So Paul, um, I know you, you're a Martin fan, big Martin fan. You don't see um, European football much. Or the likes of that sort of thing. So, <laughs> um, what is uh, your your thoughts on Philip Clement being the the Rangers manager? <laughs> well, after those comments, I hope he does shite. I hope he's get pumped. Well, you know, I hope he does all right because you know I like the underdogs to do well. So, like, <laughs> get back into it. Um, <laughs> Like Kevin Bridges says, um, like Kevin Bridges says, you know, like it's always bad when one of the one of the horses in a two horse race kind of isn't doing too great. So you get that horse back on, you know, get back on the get back on the saddle. Um, yeah, I hope he does well because, like, I like it when it's more competitive. It's a bit rubbish when somebody just runs away with it. So, but I've not really got any great feelings towards it. Um, I just hope 
like I do I like watching Rangers and Celtic in Europe. I I watch both games if I can. Um just like you see them do both do well and the games on the Beal have been pretty shambolic. I think they need a good few players right enough because like that big Sam Lammers man, he's like a teenage slender man. It's weird. <laughs> uh I need, I need I think they need like an overhaul again because I think some of the players just don't look up for it or to the quality needed. Got a couple like we could start with Raskin and kind of build off that, but he's already wanting to move away, isn't he? So it's kind of hard to. He's, they don't say that Rangers are like a stepping stone. The Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, yeah. But um, more who would you have appointed, Paul? Who would have I appointed? Is there a uh, manager and worker out of work you think would have been a good fit? Uh, <clears throat> Christ, to be honest, I don't even know who's out there or who's available or not. Because... I quite fancied uh, Graham Potter at the outset, but he. He wasn't. Re- he wasn't really involved in the process. Well, because they went to Brighton, and well, he was at Brighton, and then since he's left Brighton, I've been astronomically good. He, he, he started, he started the process, so he went to Chelsea. They're kind of terrible now. And I, Chelsea I, doesn't count. I think he's a bit snobby now that he went to go to Scotland. Um, what, what about you, Gary? I know that your Wi-Fi has been working perfectly for us. Uh, which is a bit if, if, contributed much. If, it, yeah, if, it's not, if it's not Gary, it's me or it's your uh, dog. So no, I, not, no, I was going. I was going to say Gary is like are you know pretty gutted that your Wi-Fi has been pretty perfect for this whole Ranger segment. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I'm back in. But um, I mean, but, are you shaking yourself, Gary? Are you shaking yourself? Absolutely. I mean, actually, I think I don't know much about Clement, but he's obviously won titles in Belgium and. I know it didn't work out from at Monaco, but you, I tend to think you probably don't get that job unless you've done something in the first place. But um, the question I was going to ask James and Colin is: Do you think, do you think the Rangers fans will give him time? Because obviously we'll talk about how he's it's not his own players. A lot of the players that have been bought in the summer don't seem to be up to the mark, and and he needs to get his own sort of team in. But but I feel like Beal kind of played that card last year. So I'm just wondering, is the sort of patience levels for Clement to deliver or be competitive with Celtic? If that doesn't happen this season, are the knives out already? You know, I think it's a hard job he's got. You know, I don't. I was quite. I think I, my Wi-Fi came back on just as you're talking about that Celtic game, um, in August or September. I think it's September. Um, and I couldn't believe like we had so many injury problems at the back, and I was really going to Ibrox fearing the worst, and I just. I think that was the first time I realised that you had signed some bad players in the summer that just weren't going to. And, and, and was, that, we, was, was that a foul, Gary? Um, I mean, I was relieved when it was uh, when it was chopped off, but I mean, I suppose there's a there's a really a law. Um, I'm going to sit here. Yeah, there was a foul. It was a fucking stone waller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think. It depends. I think if we can see improvements in the team, and there's there's a much better, a more of a will with desire to win, and we don't fall into the this the partner football that we had under Geo, and we fell into under Bill, then and we can we can scout teams and we look like a team, and we can beat Celtic and challenge them, then I, um, but I think he knows himself that there's players there who are on the Rangers quality. Do you know what I mean? Um, we badly need a director of football in there because yeah. 
Bale was they trusted. He, he went to these players, went to these countries to get these players, presented them with these powerpoints and his way, his imagination and all the rest of it, and, it's, and his way of playing. And he, he's got these players have big contracts, and do you know what I mean? And we're stuck with them now. And the, don't get me wrong, there always could be, they could be good, they might be all right, but we're a quarter in the season now, and I don't see any glimpses of it at all. Do you know what I mean? And, We've we've not been to Easter Road yet or Time Castle or Petodre, and that's my fear. I mean, we've already lost three games this year in the league, and he's right. It's no Harry Potter. We're magic wand, but magic magic stick, magic stick. Oh, did you see when he called Ryan Jack Jack Ryan? His (laughs) press conference. I thought he was watching the Amazon show. Um, Aye, so. It all depends how we play, how we play Garrett, to be honest with you. Do you know what I mean? If we can yeah. see improvement, then the Rangers fans will give him time. But when when we played Aberdeen, I was at the game, it was horrendous, man. Um, people were booing off Dessers. I mean, I, I don't boo the team. I never boo the team, right? But people are entitled to. I get why they do. I don't agree with booing a single player, though, and he got it tight man do you know what I mean it's like wow that's the the most hostile I've heard Rangers fans even through the Pedro Cachina days do you know what I mean it's like wow that's that's bad but it all depends if they can get a tune out these players and if they can see improvement and so far two games in he's a, a week and a half into the job or whatever I will see no. So what would you class as a successful campaign at the end up from this point onwards? What what would you accept? Win the league is always we can still win the league. It's still possible. We're only seven points behind. There's still a, a big chunk of games, <laughs> but I need to be realistic as well. We've still got tough places to go to, and we are still hoping that Celtic drop points. Do I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the two uh, cups is minimum for me. The league, to be honest with you, being a Rangers fan and Paul being a Celtic fan, the, the three trophies. Paul being a Celtic fan. Sorry? You say Paul being a Celtic fan. I say Paul, sorry, I say Gary. <laughs> I'm an undercover <laughs> Celtic fan. Um, <laughs> sorry, Gary being a Celtic fan. Um, that the cups of the, the league is the, the bread and butter. I mean, we, we've gone into seasons, we are going to win everything. But Realistically, Paul to league the league up and the the Scottish Cup probably um, is the minimum. A knockout of Europa. Um, I'm really going to cut the Europa League this year. Uh, to be honest with you, we'll see. Oh, two, two two home games next: Limassol and Prague. Winnable, I'd say. <laughs> well, yeah, but by, by the way, that Limassol bunch has been ripping the piss at you in TikTok. Who, okay. or, or Rangers? Rangers. Oh, not right. you not you personally, Colin. I'd like to know you and be like, yeah, by the way. Kind of a big deal. They're dining off that yeah. for a long time. We're bringing this to a close then, um, I think, guys. So, uh, the four segments, we talked so about the Scotland the Euros, UP. We, we've got... Uh, I was so sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I... Scotland meeting the Euros, far a shambles. Man United will take forever to 
become great again. And hopefully, Philippe Clermont does the job at Rangers, although Gary might not want that to happen. Um, so, a bit of housekeeping before we go, guys. Again, just to remember to um, like, subscribe us on YouTube. Um, we want to try and get to 150 subscribers by the end of the year. We're sitting at 111. Um, can we, can you rather, please help us support the channel and the channel grow? We also see us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. I still refuse to um, call Twitter X. Okay. Um, and also, I give a wee shout out to a couple, to a couple of pod, podcasts as well, folks. I don't know if, uh, if you want to give some podcasts a, a shout out as well before we finish up. But um, I listened to, I had mentioned them earlier on, which is the Scripps podcast on Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. is a, a very good listen. So well done, guys, on that. Um, I do hope you feel better, um, Chris, because your, your voice was starting to really really go during that during that podcast so i know, I know, the, I know the feeling hi um we got a bit of a dig at them though because they they started slagging this off a wee bit colin you know um about the whole the seismic soccer one regarding right the, i, I stand by this can you actually say that colo Turi is better than saliba and that freddie lomberg is better than bakaya saka I don't see it personally. As I say, well, ah, uh, probably I. But and Lauren was shite. La- Lauren was and Odegaard's Lauren. better than Gilberto Silva. Oh, I said said Edo, didn't I? And for there was a so. What does Gary uh, think? I thought you so. <laughs> we're at, we're at Sorry, the, the Wi-Fi keeps chopping in and out. What was that? Yeah, what what did Gary think? Saka. Who drinks better? Who drinks better? Saliba or Colo uh, Turi? Uh, I've got to say Colo Turi as a who's, as a former team, Celtic player for however many games he's played. Is a plan? Is a plan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he speak Glasgow. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to get a collab together we went to script um, as well at some point so uh, look forward to that um, you guys been listening to anything Paul you've been listening to anything recently uh, what was I, what, I was listening to last night oh god I need to look back on my Spotify I, searching. I haven't watched it yet but I've queued up uh, casting views the just posted their review of White Christmas uh, episode. I started listening to that today, actually, Colin. Yeah, so I've I've got that one. Like I've kept the notifications sitting there, so I remember to watch it. I was listening to dissect that film. Uh, they're doing Freddy versus Jason. Because um, I listened to Dream Warriors, I I've not even seen Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors, but I just like listening to Craig and Chris because they're so <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> So, like, even though I've not watched the film, I feel like I'm watching the film, but through humorous lenses. Um, so, I was watching, I was listening to Freddy vs. Jason. I've seen that and dissect that film. How uh, pretty good Brett was on was um, for Scream when we did it last year. Um, 
So yeah, they're a good bunch. There's so many good podcasts out there. I listen to quite a lot during the week, so I'll be sticking my geeky's picks out. Then Get- Gary, would you ever consider coming on for a movie one if there was a film you really liked? Yeah, yeah. I've um I'm not like the biggest movie. I think I've seen probably about fifty movies and six of them get a Lord Rocky in the title, so that's uh, probably about all I could I could contribute. But uh, yeah, sure. That's, a, that's, that's, a, that's more than Colin. Usually Colin's like, oh, I've not seen that, I've not seen that, I've not seen that. <laughs> that was maybe at the start, but I'm a, I'm a, a lot wiser now. Yeah. Plus, don't worry, we don't really talk in movie jargon anyway, we just talk all the shit, so you'll, you'll spit in right in with us. Always up for it, no, I've enjoyed my first podcast, despite the fact I've been sort of missing for 25% of so. Paul's usually missing for that man as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually trying to shepherd the dogs away. But, you know, you. Gary, if you need a broadband engineer, you know who to call? Yeah. <laughs> right, so, so, next week we are taking a wee, wee break. From the, the podcast, so we're going to do, we're going to go away, and we're going to do some planning. Um, so we're going to put out some, some uh, films. And if you'd like to come on and be a guest on any of the shows, then please get in touch. We would love to have you on. Um, we would love to have you on. Get your opinion, thoughts. But we'll get together. We'll, we'll scratch our heads and come up with some some films and maybe TV shows for us to talk about and then when we do hopefully you can reach out and be a guest on our shows and if people have any rec- or requests or recommendations for particular films or shows you send them in as well alright so we, we will be missing for a week guys but don't worry the wait won't be too long we'll be back the week after with some quality content I may have my voice back by then because uh, I'm all hosting again. <laughs> I think it's mad. I think it's mad turn next day anyway. Uh, Gary's turn. <laughs> Once I get my Wi-Fi sorted, guys, absolutely. You can come well, over to noon, to noon for a wee night. Sounds good. Sounds like fun. Right. So, right. thanks very much, guys. Um, been a good chat. We talked today. All right. So. We are Seismic Soccer, and we're also Seismic Cinema, and we believe in the power of escapism. So, see you later, guys. Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.